thankful for this opportunity to speak to you. Um, I know that many times when you have a service after lunch, your stomach's full and so are your brains. So uh, it's one of those things that I'm not going to keep you a long time. And I just want you to think about a couple of things. We probably live in an age where there's more photographs taken than ever before. Would you agree with that? It's amazing that you can just uh, take a a phone and and hit a button and it'll take as many pictures as your finger's on there. And some of y'all have small children have seen that happen. You go back and look, or grandchildren, and you realize, wow, they took 174 pics because their thumb or finger just stayed on there. What determines whether a picture is good or bad? How you look in it, right? I don't care how you look in it. I care how I look in it. A picture is good depending on how I feel I look in that picture. When I go to y'all's church website, it's interesting that uh, one thing you get is a, a, a picture here. I know that you can't see it, but you've probably seen it before. Of y'all's congregation of people standing out here. And I don't know if you had a drone fly over and take the picture or, or somebody had a, a, a lot of scaffolding. Or you had the one guy who isn't that smart and he had a big ladder. I'm not sure what it was, but it looks like a drone picture to me. And the thing is, when I look at this picture, I can't make out really anybody specifically here, but I bet you can. I bet you could go through this picture and you could go through and you could say, well, that's so-and-so and that's so-and-so and that's where I am on this day. And that picture is good or bad depending on how you look in it, and if you find yourself there. What I'm going to do today is, uh, I told uh, Joseph, I'm going to to preach like the Apostle Paul, just me and an iPad, if you're okay with that. No no PowerPoint. And if you would, open your Bibles to Mark chapter 3. And I would use my Bible, except I can make the print bigger on my iPad, so it makes it a little bit easier sometimes to read. Mark chapter 3. What I'm going to tell you is these... uh, about eight verses or so that we're going to read, it's like a big group picture. And I believe everybody here this morning is in this picture. What I want you to do is look in this picture and find yourself. Okay? I'm going to read through these seven or eight verses in Mark chapter 3. What I want you to do is look for yourself, because I believe like any big group picture, if we took a group picture today of who we have here, you would be here if you can find yourself. And Jesus entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do ill, to save a life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. And Jesus withdrew himself with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed him, from Galilee, from Judea, from Jerusalem, from Idumea, and from beyond the Jordan, and from around Tyre and Sidon, when the great crowd learned and heard all that he was doing, they came to him. Did you see yourself? I believe that there's about four groups that are in this passage. The first here, we have a man with a withered hand. He's somebody who needed something to happen. This guy was at the synagogue. He went to where they were 
where there would be religious people. A place where he could beg for money and maybe get some money to help. If you were to go to the Holy Lands today, can I tell you, there are still beggars all over the streets of Jerusalem. People who are asking for money so they can go buy food. But this man is there seeing if he could be healed. So Jesus is already gaining a reputation. He's going to the place where spiritual people should be, where the person who can heal him would be. There was somebody there who desperately needed something to happen. Secondly, there's a group that doesn't want anything to happen. And, and here, that's the Pharisees. Jesus is in their presence. He has the ability to perform miracles. We know that throughout the life of Jesus, He was able to make blind people see, to help deaf people to hear, to help lame people to walk. He was able to, uh, to cleanse and, and uh, completely heal leprosy. He was able to, to raise dead people back to life. And all they were concerned about is, they watched to see whether He would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse Him. It's funny that they thought he could heal him. They just didn't know if he would or not. And to them, the Sabbath is a big deal. By the way, the Sabbath was a big deal to Jesus too. He wasn't throwing it away. He just wanted to teach him a little bit. See, he's Lord of the Sabbath. And that's what we see if we read all this together. He's, he's Lord of the Sabbath. And he wants to show them that he's Lord of the Sabbath. And they just want to catch Jesus doing something so they can accuse him, so they could have him put to death. Isn't it amazing that Jesus goes ahead and, and heals this man on this Sabbath day? And what they've determined is you cannot work on the Sabbath. Let that sink in. And, and that was something that was Bible-wise. The Old Testament Bible said you couldn't work on the Sabbath. But evidently, miracles fell into the category of work. I'm not sure the Old Testament categorized as such. But their, their response to seeing a true God-done miracle was to want to kill the man who did it. Pretty interesting, isn't it? They sit there and didn't want anything to happen. In a day of worship, they have come together in the synagogue. There's a group that, doesn't, that needs something to happen, a group that doesn't want anything to happen. And there's a group, that being Jesus, who makes things happen. What did He do? He, he, he healed this man, but also He looked around at the ones who didn't want anything to happen. And so he looked around at them with anger. He was grieved. It hurt his heart because their hearts were so hard. Think about that. He's saying his heart was broken because their heart couldn't be touched. Pretty neat spin there. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he said it is restored. Was the other. The final group there is a group that, uh, that hears and starts to follow. It says these people from all these different cities, when they heard what Jesus was done, they were all coming to Him. Which group are you in today? See, today, I think every time the Lord's people come together, there's somebody, if not one somebody, a bunch of somebodies who desperately need something to happen. You may not have a withered hand, but today you may have a withered heart. You may have something that's really hurting you. You may be going through a lot of financial stresses at home. You may be having some relationship problems. You may be struggling with a sin that keeps 
seeming to bite you over and over and over and over again. It may be that you're just really hurting emotionally today. And when you come here, you need something to happen. You may be struggling with loneliness, and today is a day you just need somebody to say hello and ask you genuinely, how are you doing? Or you may not need anything. You may just need somebody to hug your neck and tell you that, let you know that you're significant, that you're important. At some point in time, we're all that person. Would you agree? At some point in time, we walk through these doors desperately needing something to happen. Now, we may not show it. We may come in with a smile. We may come in uh, just, just on top of the world so we make everybody see. But we really need something to happen. Today, is that you? Secondly, are you here and not really want anything to happen? I have learned that there are people in church and uh, they have favorite words in church. I, well, I don't know what your favorite word is. Your favorite word may be Jesus. Your favorite word may be Bible. Your favorite word may be sing. I'm convinced some people's word, favorite word in the entire church is the final amen of the closing prayer. That means we get to go home. If somebody comes forward, they're just wondering how long is it going to take them. It is easy to become hard-hearted. Do you know that? Cynicism is a lot easier. I wish it was more difficult to be cynical. To not feel like we've already seen everything before or to already prejudge some situation and go ahead and look at it. But today, realize if you're somebody here that doesn't want anything to happen, that doesn't want God to act and move within His own church, that the Lord's angry at you. You need to know that. He says He grieves at the hardness of your heart. It's something that bothers Him. But there are also those today, I, I believe, there are those in here that make things happen. You know, we just ate enough, you know, there's enough food in there for an army. Why? Because today people decided to bring in things to, to bless other people. Not only that, there's people who set up those chairs, who'll clean up those chairs, who'll clean up the, the floor. There's all those things. There's those here today who made it a point to greet everybody they see. There are those today who have probably asked somebody else, hey, can I pray for you? Or let's just pray about something. You know, can, we, can I pray for you right now? See, those things are needed. See, I know this. There's a, there's a guy at a Spring Hill this morning. Uh, his name's Clyde. Clyde's one of the elders who, uh, who hired me when I moved there. And uh, Clyde hugs everybody, for good or ill. If you don't want him to hug you, there's another door you can come in. You've got the Clyde hug door, then you got another door. You get to choose. If you come through one door, you're just stuck. That's just sort of how it works, okay? And to be honest with you, I sit back sometimes and go, man, not everybody wants to hug you. And not everybody does. But it was interesting to uh, have some people that we ended up converting because they came up to me and said, Craig, uh, we want to know how to be a part of this church. I asked them to share their, their story with me, and their story did, in, did not involve being baptized for mission of their sins, and we went through that, and we baptized for mission of their sins. I said, what, was, what made you want to be a part of here? They said, when you get greeted, the first thing you come in through the door by somebody who smiles at you and who's glad you're there and genuinely wants you to be there, that's what we needed that day. For all the people who have to go bathe in some type of antibacterial after they shake his hand, there's other people who really appreciate it. There are those here, and making something happen isn't always public. 
There are those here who write cards, who send notes of encouragement. You can tell when you're here, and my wife and I have talked about this, this seems to be a pretty happy place. You can feel that people love each other here. Now, I'm going to guess there's people here that may not feel that, because anytime you talk about how loving some, somewhere is, or somebody's like, not as much to me. Well, I, I feel that, and one of the reasons is, the more people decide to make things happen for other people, the more loving a place it is. And there's people who follow because of the good of Jesus. Today, is that you? Just going to ask you, you know, where do you fit in? Because if you're somebody who needs something to happen today, we are here for you. We would love to pray with you and pray for you. And maybe what you need to be ha- what you need to happen today is you need to be baptized for mission of your sins, and we would love for that to happen and to see you profess your faith and to see you uh, stand there dead in your sins in the water, be buried and raised to walk in a new life. We would love to be a part of that today. Maybe that's what you need to happen. Maybe you just need to say, "Hey, brethren, please pray for me." There may be those this morning here that are, are going through a bitter time in their life and they really don't want anything to happen. They're just sort of ready for today to be over. I'm going to ask that your heart be broken, that you repent. Today, to those who are making things happen for others, thank you. and Praise God for you. And today, I, I believe the more people make things happen, the more people will follow. And also, I'm going to tell you something really neat. There's something about this man with a withered hand. He came there in order to be healed. He had to let Jesus know he had it. If you need help, you have to have that vulnerability that says, hey, I need somebody to reach out to me. And So this morning, if we can do that, we would love to. So today, if you'd like to follow God more closely, if you would like to be baptized, you'd like for us to pray for you, we ask you to come now while we stand.